0: old pork chop express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night all right
1: when some wild-eyed eight-foot tall maniac grabs your neck taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall and he looks at crooked in the eye and he asks if you've paid your dues
2: well you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye and you remember what old jack burton always says at a time like that have you paid your dues jack yes sir the check is in the mail
3: The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott,
1: Gabe, and Ben. Ah, fuck them. You know, I'm fucking losing my mind here. Here's something I've done twice now. i poured Karen's food into her water bowl. Oh, no. And it's her water bowl that's filled with water. Now, I've done this twice. Is this just a thing I do now? Have you guys done this? Uh, no? I'm the only I've one? Done, I've done it.
3: I don't think I've done it with a full bowl of water. Sometimes there's, I accidentally put it in the water bowl and there's a little bit of water at the bottom and it gets a little mushy. But
0: No, just
1: right there, right in the water. Dry food goes in there. Uh, it's making me crazy. Gabe, are you aware that David Yow is on the show today?
0: I am aware. I was told that he's the the attendee, the guest of honor.
1: He was in a band called Jesus Lizard and uh, Scratch Acid. Um, have you ever heard of those bands?
0: A little bit, not too much, no. but I know I know of them. I don't own any of their records, though. So either one. You're more slightly slightly importantly familiar. to.
3: More importantly to me, he was in a movie that I can never say the name of right,
1: and I don't think it's
3: my fault. He was in a movie called...
1: Entertainment? No,
3: that's an easy one. I just don't fit in with the... I just don't feel I don't feel feel at home
1: in this world anymore.
3: Is that what it's called? I don't feel at home in this world anymore?
1: That's right. Yes. You're sure of that? You're looking at it on screen right now? I'm... I'm 100% sure. It's called, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. We can ask him. No, but that's okay.
3: But I'm asking you, do you ever have trouble remembering the exact title of that movie? Or is it just me?
1: Apparently I have trouble remembering which bowl is Karen's food bowl and which bowl (laughs) is her water bowl. Sure. Gabe, what have you been doing?
0: You know what? I saw a really good miniseries last night and I didn't talk about this. Did you?
1: Did you really? I did. Was it as good as True Story?
0: I can't poke at me. Um it was called Wolf Like Me. All right. All right. Let's stop. No. It's I called
1: Wolf stop. Like Me. Yes. And you and you went this I got to see.
0: I did have to see it and I did watch it. So you're right on that. What's her name? Isla Fisher. Isla? How do you say that?
1: I like to call her Isla. Is
3: that S think, silent? Ben? Is it I- Isla? Is it Isla? Isla? It might be Isla. She
0: plays a character who turns into a werewolf. Where have you seen? Oh, game! Great, werewolf? great. Ruin it for me. Okay. You, I didn't know it was about like werewolves. Me. I didn't know. Listen. Do you know anything Why about you the listen. show? Listen. Do you know anything about the show?
1: Well, I know that you like it, so automatically, I'm thinking it's probably right. not going to be that good. But you know the what? Sound. I didn't know was I didn't know she turned into a werewolf. Okay. The soundtrack of the show. Watched, I haven't watched. Uh, network television since Seinfeld.
0: This it, is on Peacock. Uh,
1: yeah, it's ne- it's NBC, right?
0: Yeah, but there's there's foul language in there. It's not it's not PG.
1: Is it the like foul language like in It's a Wonderful Life?
0: <laughs> I don't know. But the here's what I don't understand: sound, Why don't listen. they
1: get all the streaming channels and bundle them together and call it cable?
0: They will, and you'll charge you 150 bucks a month for it. Okay. <laughs> I feel
1: like that's what we're already
0: paying. Yes. Well, you might like the soundtrack because it was done by Queens of the Stone Age. The whole show is, the premise is something about one of their albums. So check out the show. Come back to me after you watch it and tell me what you think.
1: So it's named after a TV on the radio song, but Queens of the Stone Age. This show sounds fucking
0: confused and lame. Okay. That's a, that's, a, that's a good way to prejudge a show you haven't seen before. Listen, you
1: <laughs> you can't talk about
0: any of this stuff. It's like I can. I've seen the show. I can talk about it. You haven't seen it, and you can't talk about it. Ben, ben come on in on this. Follow me. Follow my lead on this one.
3: Okay. I haven't <laughs> seen it yet.
0: Check it out. So, so you didn't
1: feel the need to force yourself to fall asleep for this
0: i stayed awake for every episode i don't think i dozed off once yeah I it, it sounds real challenging all right the listeners of the podcast give me some feedback check it out tell me what you think
1: so all the all the people that have gone i'm with gabe that <laughs> new Wes anderson movie sucks i'm like yeah no surprise you're with gabe i can tell <laughs> i click on your your profile and i'm like yep you're definitely with gabe Celebration no, of intellectualism in movies. <clears throat> yeah, I can tell you're on Gabe's side. If something don't... that Gabe likes. Yes. It Isla Fisher turns into a werewolf. It's called That's Wolf me. Like Me, and it's on <laughs> Peacock. Yeah, gotta see it.
3: Yes, check it out. I have to admit I was multitasking for the last five minutes. I missed the part where, if it was asked, if you answered the question whether Wolf Like Me
0: is the opening theme song for this. Wait a second. Okay, when we do... Interviews with guests on the podcast. Yes. I'd, I'd like to get the, the backstory of how you met these people. I forgot. I wanted to bring this up before, but I mean, how do you know all these guys? How do you know David Yao? When did you meet? Give me the story. We need this information for these people who are listening, for the viewers at home.
1: Uh, with him, when I played with them in Champagne, when I was playing with Triple Fast, and Triple Fast and them, they were both on Capital. So I, I don't know what happened, but I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. And, you know, he was hanging around before the show, and I told him I loved uh, Boilermaker. Boilermaker was my favorite Jesus Lizard song. He's like, ah, we haven't been playing that much. I was like, okay, that's cool. Play Gladiator then. And then he comes out, and he's like, this is for my new buddy, Scott. And they started playing <laughs> Boilermaker. And I was like, yay! And, and yeah, that was, that, that's how I met him.
0: And I don't think people re- realize that you know a lot of these people from, like, 20, 25, so many years ago. It's like, you know, it's interesting. Give them the backstory. story.
1: Everybody we've had on this show, except for uh, Rick, Froberg. Rick Froberg, I've met before. Actually, I've, I've met Rick Froberg before, actually, too. I, I, I hung out with him after uh, they played a festival, after Drive Like Jehu was playing a festival. And so I was introduced to him. And Yeah. But I didn't really talk to him much. But but everybody else that's been on the show, I know, I think.
0: Yeah, but we don't hear the stories. We well, I try to we... bring them up while we talk. Well, you yeah. got to say, remember, you know, this is how we met. Stuff like that. I don't know. It's interesting. This is when we met. This is how I know so-and-so. I'm just saying. Well, it's, I'm going to tell... I,
1: I'll, I'll ask him about... The, the night we met is a good story and i'll I'll bring that up with him later
0: someone posted a link on the cold manor already for the wolf like me show so yeah it's getting it's getting out there even though we're not is this live are people no. people could see this
3: no this was yesterday but they were asking the same question i asked is is, is the song featured or they're saying it better be featured or something I don't think the
0: song is that popular where everybody would know. Dude, that's you all You don't think that they named about. the fucking show after the song?
1: They absolutely did.
0: They might have. They might Let's have. Give it a shot. The first intro to the movie you see is, is, and it's playing Queens of the Stone Age in the background. How bad can it be?
1: Mm, if I had a dollar for every bad movie that's got a good
0: song in it, I'd have a lot of dollars. It's not just a song. Their theme so of don't Queens of the Stone Age All listen, right. You, I if don't you want, want to refer to, it, but you have to watch more than one episode. I barely want to watch it in the first place. You got to watch two episodes at least.
3: I would like it's to There's only say, six.
0: What'd you say there, Ben?
3: I would like to say thank you, Gabe, for putting the dog back in its place. The dog
0: back. Nice I found the see. bag. It was in the trunk of the car for the last month. My wife said, this is getting out of the trunk. We're going to back in. And there we go. There's the dog in the bag. Because has she, she heard been, us talk about it on yeah. the
3: podcast? She
1: heard Ben
0: complaining about, where's the dog? I know you don't listen to the show, but does Heidi? <laughs> no, she has not listened to one second. <laughs> and she will not. She will not listen to this podcast. Maybe if I if I leave the earth before she does, she'll listen to it. But <laughs> <laughs> Why is, that, is, that, is, there, is there a rule? Is,
1: is like, nope. Have you walked in on her and she's trying to listen to it? And you go, nope, turn it off right now.
0: No. I, what are you going to finally listen to if she leaves the earth before you? Uh, I, f- I found a video of her dancing with our dog. And she does that quite a bit. We are playing Bob Marley yesterday and she was hip checking the dog quite a bit. But... <laughs> Bob yeah, Marley? This... You're chest- listening to Bob Marley? Is it shocking? Am I? Am I... What's the big deal?
3: I didn't realize you had room
0: for him in your collection. Bob Marley, a poet and a prophet. (laughs) (laughs) I have room for Bob Marley. Listen, there's nothing wrong with Bob Marley. That's not. It's not groundbreaking that Bob Marley was. Listen, whatever. If you're gonna,
1: I mean, I could see listening to Peter Tosh, but you listening to Bob Marley. I mean, you you could listen to the Equals, but you listening to Bob Marley. Who's the Equals? Equals. Eddie Grant's band. That's what who, you should listen to. Who knows that? Fucking put those Bob Marley records away and listen to Eddie <laughs> Grant and the Equals.
0: Is that from the 60s? Uh, yeah,
1: some of it's from the 60s. The
0: there's 70s. only one Listen, there's only one person in the world that knows Eddie Grant's earlier band and the singer of Tramp's first name in one person. That'd be Scott Lucas. That's how you know you're talking to Scott. The
1: Clash knew Police on My Back.
0: I'm sure they did. But did the, they know the lead singer of Triumph's name? They Yeah, they probably <laughs> don't know that. that that's, that's true. That's the
3: key there. It's, it's those two yes. things combined.
0: Yeah, put yeah. the two or two together and you'll see the yeah. recipe.
3: Gabe, if you ever listened to our show, you would have heard Kelly Wayne and I had a, had a conversation about Bob Marley on one of those um, reporter in the field shows at the Metro.
1: You know, Bob Marley taught me how to off it. <laughs>
3: Please don't quote any more <clears throat> lyrics from that song, I beg you. Do you know the whole song, Scott? Can you do... Uh...
1: Bob Marley, poet and the prophet. Bob Marley taught me how to off it.
0: <laughs> Who is that? Is that Cypress <laughs> I wish. It's hanging like out we're...
1: the
3: window. <laughs> <laughs> What are you drinking there, Gabe? What do you got going there? This we, we bought, by the we sound bought
0: of it. a uh, bullet or some kind of shake maker in the house, and uh, we're we're trying to get our money's worth because the shakes in California are like ten dollars a piece. And I said, "Hell no, I'm not paying ten bucks for a shake." So we Pretty bought good. a shake maker. Gabe, you're a some kind of shake, shake maker. I am a shake maker, and this has been good. Shake your money maker. So that's That's not a
3: smoothie of any kind. That's an actual like vanilla shake.
0: Oh, we make shakes smoothies are just shakes without the ice cream just put the ice cream in the smoothie if you, if you want to shake you know yeah. or whatever
1: sure yeah because just... people are trying to get healthy they're eating smoothies they're not trying to eat ice cream <laughs> you're, you're but it's not up. as good
0: it's not as good. I, I, and listen they have you a smoothie listen. king i got hooked on smoothie king when i moved to south carolina yeah he said, he said hey smoothie king Throwing a little bit of ice cream in that smoothie for me, eh? (laughs) Come on, sweet cheeks. They have a banana boat smoothie that tastes just like ice cream, so I used to get hooked on that living in the South for a year. Sounds like somebody's on a sugar high. Ben, can can you hear that? Yeah, yeah. You hear the crackling? Yeah. Somebody's got a crack. You put crack in that chick? Yes. Do you know how much sugar is in beer? I don't know. I haven't had beer in so long, I've forgotten. you still got two, a week and a half to go. How's it going?
1: Pretty good. I feel good. Do you? Yeah, I feel great, yeah.
0: So much that on the 1st of February, you will go right in, feet first, as soon as you wake up in the morning. You're goddamn right. <laughs> Maybe not when you wake up. Maybe. What's the story, What Gabe, what's the latest with Mexican food out there? What have you found? It's very expensive. <laughs> but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, I, it's a little different. It's not Tex-Mex. It's not... Chicago Mexican food, California Mexican food is 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 pretty good. Scott likes Mexican food from California. I'm sure it's not bad.
1: Mm, I like Mexican food from San Diego. San Diego, but that's seafood, Mexican seafood. So like yeah. fish tacos and stuff. That's a different animal. And we, we're we're in addition to not drinking, we we've gone vegan. So I'm not doing fish tacos anymore either. Just for January, maybe forever, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna become a teetotaling vegan for the rest of my life.
0: Unlike me, you have a purpose though. What what's your reasoning behind it? My purpose? Life, man. <laughs> Get high on life, bro. Hey Gabe,
3: I'm sending you uh, a link to East Beach Tacos in Santa Barbara. Have really? you been there yet?
0: It's no, like a we're shack.
3: Gonna... It's a shack on a beach. It's the best tacos I ever had.
0: I'm, I might be going to Santa Barbara this weekend. I have to buy some new shoes because my dog left me a pile of turd in the yard. I didn't pick it up. Yes, I should have picked it up, but uh, there's leaves covering all the turds out there, and I missed I, one. I'm glad you brought this up. Two things. Go ahead. You should have picked it up. <laughs> Two.
1: How much shit did you step in, and did you, like, have a fucking... Uh, singing in the rain party and shit or something i mean how
0: listen in california the leaves are still dropping there's a few leaves left so i had the yard that i'm staying at has a big yard a lot of leaves i raked them all up and i get to the walk to the front all the leaves are brown and the sky is gray Mm, interesting (laughs) so i get to the driveway and i'm leaving it. the bottom of your shoe is brown too yes i get (laughs) to the driveway and my shoe is brown i'm like oh this sucks I haven't stepped in crap since I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. (laughs) And I threw two pairs of shoes out in two weeks there. And I bought two pairs of shoes. I remember it. And now I'm thinking, okay.
1: (laughs) I haven't stepped in crap since I lived in Charlotte. That was just a couple of months
0: ago. No, that was a year ago. It was a year ago. In Charlotte? Yes. I was renting in Charlotte starting in August. A year and a half ago. Where you been? Anyway. (laughs) 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 Don't blink. I might move again. But, uh... I was trying to figure out, is it worth my time to clean off the crap off my shoes or just buy a new pair? That's what I was trying to figure out. And I was like, there's got to be a, a way to figure this out. Is my time worth <laughs> these shoes or not? <laughs> like, if you step in the crap, Scott, are you going to clean them up or are you going to throw them out?
1: You got to scrape the shit right off your shoes. I threw them out. I threw the shoes out. You know what? You're a dirty motherfucker. I never uh, really realized it. But-
0: no. Walking around,
1: it. you got—it's like a got like a gross pig pen yard or something full of dog shit. Is that what's
0: going no, on? No, <laughs> no. I when I take the dog out, I pick him up. But when she takes the dog out, she doesn't. I pick it up, so ah. I'm always picking it up. But I don't always see when the dog goes. And then when there's leaves in the ground, you don't see the piles. <laughs> I got fooled again.
1: Yeah. Yes, you did.
0: But I can't be mad at the dog because it's not her fault. It's my fault. That's, that's what I'm saying You can drink that whole thing It's just full uh, of ice cream <laughs> There's bananas in here It's fruit It's fruit And milk That's all it is Oh there's fruit uh, Yeah we put we, we buy fresh fruit I was
3: trying I was asking the- you before To describe this shake I said is it just a vanilla shake And you just sort of breeze past the whole
0: thing I, I was so in Let, deep, let's, hear, you know, let's hear all the ingredients Because right now. he's jacked up Have you yeah, really ever seen Gabe this jacked up before when I when she no. brought me the shake in a couple of minutes ago, I'm like, okay, now we're talking.
1: Heidi goes, Gabe, I'm going to put some protein powder in your shake. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's great. And then she puts like a whole thing of cocaine in there. And, and now, now listen to him. He's out of his
0: mind. No, <clears throat> but it's just bananas. Sometimes I put apples, not apples, <laughs> uh, uh, strawberries, and she puts honey in there. She puts honey in the shake.
1: Like, we could say anything, and Gabe's not listening. He's, like, right on to the next sentence, and he's like, oh, and uh, I had some berries. Anyway, Gabe, uh, there's there's a monster behind you. Oh, and peaches were in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bought some blackberries and some raspberries. That's going to be tomorrow. If, if, you know, the fruit doesn't last out here. You got you to gotta eat it up right away. Otherwise, it'll go bad. Is so. this
3: what you do, just three three shakes a day? Are you on, like, a system kind of a thing?
0: No, but I should. I should have a shake as a meal and skip the real meal, you know, because this frozen Tombstone pizza for lunch and then a shake for, you know, that's too much. Wait, hold
1: the phone. You're having Tombstone pizza for lunch?
0: Listen. I mean, I can't remember the last time I had a Tombstone pizza sober and you're having it for lunch. You probably had it when we lived together in in the city because I was buying Tombstones back then.
1: I was not sober the entire time we lived together.
0: (laughs) I can attest to that.
2: Yeah. There was a pictures in the paper about it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'd be going to work and coming home when you'd be waking up. Yes. And just starting your day. Yes, there was plenty to do. (laughs) The day was over. (laughs) No, it wasn't.
1: It was just starting. I was punching out and you were punching in. Yeah, I was punching in.
3: He was pumping iron while you were
1: pumping irony. Whilst I was pumping irony. Whilst, sorry. Whilst I uh so yeah so you're basically just shaking
0: whoa snap in my fingers oh you know there's a line there's a line in that song i've always wanted to say this to to somebody there's a line in that song where it says we did some shaking till something and it sounds like he's saying her tits were shaking (laughs) listen to it put it up find it ben what is it? <laughs> Wait, sorry. What, what are we we're back? It's Shaken
1: by Eddie Money. He thinks it says her tits were shaken.
0: Yeah, I don't know exactly where it is in the sign, but we'll have to play it. See. All right, let's go. see. Here we go. Gabe, stop drinking that thing.
1: It's too good. You're going to have a heart attack.
0: All that crack in it. Listen to this feedback when it comes in.
2: <laughs>
0: That's not feedback. Oh, you know what I'm saying. It's 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 preverb. No, it's a uh, I feel he's,
1: like He's hitting the chord And then turning the volume I think up. Here's He's the dead
0: man. He's gone You know, he, he used to be a cop He used to be Eddie Mahoney That guy
1: was a star on MTV A guy that looked Ouch. like that Was a star on MTV Him
0: <laughs> and Billy Squire <laughs>
1: hey. Billy Squire Look at that guy Billy Squire <laughs> at least Looked like a rock star
0: that when he did that video, well, he looked
1: like Flashdance in that video. He paid for it. Hold
0: Who on, does I think he it's look like?
1: Well, he
3: looks like a comedian. Does he look like Judd Nelson? Who does he look like?
0: Anyway? Looks like Jud Nelson a little bit, a little bit like Judd Nelson.
3: Yeah. So some or like a comedian, a more recent comedian.
1: Huh.
2: Makes- I heard it.
1: Uh, I heard it. Yeah. yeah. It does sound shaking. like her tits are shaking. Yeah. Wait again, what
0: is go the back? real line? <clears throat> I think it's we did some shaking, but it sounds like her tits were shaking. But it back. doesn't sound like we did some shaking. No, Dang it sounds like
1: her tits. Yeah. I don't think it is. <laughs> it's we did some shaking. we did, but it really sounds
3: like
2: her
1: tits. I'll bet he says that
0: live.
3: And everyone goes oh, wild.
1: It's I like mean, the, if he were David Coverdale, he definitely would have said it live. David Coverdale was gross. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you mean in a good way? No, I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, you yeah, say I mean, that about Bon Scott. So Bon Scott's in a good
1: way. I don't even know. I no. mean, I, I love and adore Bon Scott, but I mean, he pushes me to the limit, you know?
3: <laughs> Take it to the limit?
1: It takes it to the limit. Mm-hmm. One more time. One more time. Every uh, time. It's look gross. At st- look at you
3: inhaling that fucking shake. <laughs> you got to weigh with the straw. Speak, I like how speak, you how you hold that straw in a very dainty,
1: you got it <laughs> like your
3: your pinkies extended.
1: <laughs> Speaking you of ACDC, to, I was wrong last week when I said that uh, this song that I think ACDC ripped off back in black for... I said it was on the knack's second record. It's not on the knack's second record. It's on the knack's first record. So nobody has to do any knack deep dives. You're all good. We're gonna stick with the first knack record. And there's a song in there, it's called Lucinda. Now, can you play that for us? Yes, ben? I'm gonna do I'm that
3: right now. Hang on, I'm pretty second.
1: sure Mutt Lang was listening to this record and he went, hmm. All right, here we go. Play play that again. Do you hear what I mean? Oh, easily, yes. It's just the intro.
3: No, no, no. I ne—I never would have guessed. And so you're saying it's the guitar tone, right?
1: No. It's the riff. I'm saying it's the riff. I'm saying, and the way that snare comes in. And even like that, like it's sort of like a, you know, the Knacks foppish version of that riff. It's got a riff. It's not nearly as badass as uh, ACDC's riff, but, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Can you hear it? The that hits that chord and then that beat comes in. Let's ask I'm, David Yao. Oh, hey everybody, it's David Yao.
2: I'm early, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> it's quite all right.
2: If you want, I'll We're go yeah, I'll wait in the other room.
1: <laughs> you don't have to wait in the other room. We could, we could use your opinion on this. I, I have this uh, theory that Back in Black by ACDC is ripped off of a Knack song.
2: <laughs> the Knack the song came first and then and then the ACDC song?
1: Yes. So this song, Lucinda, is on the first Knack record, which came out in 1979. And it bears a slight resemblance to Back in Black. Now, I don't think Malcolm Young or, or Angus Young were listening to the Knack. But I have a feeling Mutt Lang was listening to the Knack. So, Ben, put this song up and let's let D- David listen to this.
3: All right. Here we go now. So now we're going gonna, gonna, gonna to play Lucinda, the opening riff from, from Lucinda, and then we'll go into Black, Back and Black. How do you like them apples? We're going to do the whole thing with you.
1: Delicious apples.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Okay. It's just the intro. Now, here's back in black. Maybe.
1: We know how it goes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I don't think they would win a court case or anything like that.
1: No, but do you, do you think I have anything to this theory, David? Yeah, I think they're pretty dang similar. All right.
2: Okay, well, thanks for being on. All right, well, that, you guys have a good really, evening.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm good. I, you know, I have a comical theory about another Australian taking from some Americans. I think that uh, Nick Cave's "The Mercy Seat" is derived from the Partridge Family's "I Think I Love You."
1: Wait, what? <laughs> have,
2: have you have you talked about this with anybody else? Before? Yeah, a couple friends, but like you know, uh, I think I love you. So what am I so afraid of? My head is burning. So what am I? So...
3: Hang on, I'm yeah. gonna bring it. I'm gonna get. We're gonna listen to these now.
2: They're both good songs. How... Yeah. I do have one announcement. Due to technical difficulties beyond our control, the partridge
3: family. (laughs) At what point in this video does the song start?
1: It would be nice if you interrupted. In the middle of a good dream. I'm sleeping and right in the middle of a good dream. Like all at once, I wake up from something that keeps knocking at my brain. Before I go insane, I hold my pillow to my head. (laughs) And spoke my bed screaming out the words I've read. I, I, I think I love you. It kind of sounds like a Nick Cave lyric.
3: Okay, here we go. Here's Nick Cave. Mercy. City.
2: He's dressed like David Cassidy.
1: Yeah. But I'm I am a toothbrush, and
2: anyway i told.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. David
1: Yao nailed it. I think your that was Australia. I think your case is better,
2: Scott, but mine's a lot of fun. I'm surprised
1: to hear you say that because when I was listening to it, especially when you play ACDC's Back in Black, I was like, "Yeah, these guys aren't going to hear it." But it's, it's definitely with the <laughs> way that yeah. snare Da-da-da. comes in after that first yeah, chord. Yeah. yeah, that's something else. So how are you doing? You're good?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: How's Ellen? She's
2: Ellen.
3: Yes. Yeah. She's
2: busy as shit. She's been working her ass off. Um, but uh, for the great most part, she's doing well. She is a real estate agent now. And, you know, she uh, this last year was crazy for real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She had she had the best <laughs> year she's had so far. Hey, star. Hi, Ellen. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Um, yeah. And I've been doing, uh, uh, a lot of freelancing, um, some acting. That's what I, that's what spins my prop these days is acting. Right.
1: Uh, w- what are you doing now? As far as acting goes?
2: Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was, had a little part in a movie called the sitter, but, uh, more interestingly, um, I was in Bulgaria at the end of July and the beginning of August, uh, shooting the toxic avenger oh, yeah the, um it's not a remake it's a reimagining this guy macon blair who uh, wrote and directed a movie called i don't feel at home this World."
1: i don't feel at home in this world anymore yeah,
2: yeah. and uh he he uh, wrote it and the the trauma guys dug it and uh peter dinklage is the Toxic Avenger and Kevin Bacon is the bad guy and Elijah Wood is the bad guy's brother. And I play a, um, Macon described it as a, uh, a cheerful hobo with anger management issues.
1: <laughs> Has Macon done anything since I Don't Feel at Home? Or is this going to be his first thing since he's done that?
2: He's done that some acting. He hasn't directed anything. Like he was in the Florida Project and... Um, a handful of other things, but, uh, fuck.
1: I can't picture him in the, it floor. was really brief. Really it was deep. very
2: brief. I think he was a salesman or something that came to, uh, came to the hotel and I called him up and I said, my God, you got to work with Willem Dafoe. And he goes, this the nicest guy. What a guy. Oh,
1: he's that's such a great movie. It And Willem Dafoe was so good in it. <laughs> Have you seen, uh, Sean Baker's new movie, uh, Red Rocket? No. It's awesome, okay, it's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, you took some acting classes. Are you still going to those? Well, probably not much.
2: No, it's uh, also it's a few years ago, I got a full time job as doing photo retouching, and that just took up all my time. Um, uh, I've taken a handful of classes though, and uh, some of them have been really helpful, and some of them have been like, oh, Hollywood, okay, fuck you. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing you in, I think it was Southbound. Oh, uh, yeah. Huh? I was like, I was like uh, what? When did you start doing this? Because I knew you were in entertainment, but I thought that was just because you knew Neil Hamburger or something like that.
2: I didn't really know Neil at that time. I mean, barely. But, yeah.
1: You didn't know him through the Drag City guys or anything like that? No. Oh. So do you think the best movie you were in was probably
2: Under the Silver Lake? Um, um, that's, uh, either that or I don't feel at home this anymore. I like them both. I mean, uh, Under the Silver Lake is so much fun in like, in a sort of a Mulholland Drive kind of way where you don't really know what's real and what's imagined and what's dreamed and stuff. And there's just so many weird clues. Like I was talking to the director about, um, the, uh, Easter eggs in there. And I said, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of Easter eggs, aren't there? And he said, there's so many that nobody will ever find them all. Yeah. And that's pretty cool.
3: You're also in that movie Dinner in America, right?
2: Uh, Yeah. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah. I love that movie.
2: Oh yeah. That's, that's, I, it breaks my heart that it hasn't gotten well distributed. It's, it's great.
1: What's Dinner in America?
3: Dinner in America is a, is a. It's a love story. Kind of got a sort of a welcome to the dollhouse vibe to it. Uh, but it's about uh it's about this punk rocker starting a band with this I guess she's a high schooler, right?
2: Uh uh yeah, she's in high school. This this sort of um she's sort of a little bit special and uh she falls in love with this uh badass punk rock guy. And uh it's just it's tremendous.
3: Hey Gabe, you might have seen another David Yao movie because David Yao is in Big Money Rustlers. The um uh, we,
2: we don't have to talk about that.
0: <laughs> the insane clown posse movie. No, I don't I don't even though they're in the movie, I don't have never seen the movie. Huh. I'm sorry. Unbelievable. I'm not a big insane clown posse fan. Oh well you've seen one of their movies. I, I thought you said you were. No, that was just in that juggalo movie. What was that movie called? Okay. I don't know. So so what was it like working with the insane clown posse, David?
2: <laughs> uh those guys are scholars. Yes, <laughs> dollars of what? I don't know Yeah, of, of, uh, make a shit ton of money off merchandise <laughs> So I was
1: reading up on you today And I found out two things that I didn't know One, uh, is that you put out a solo record On Joyful Noise Yeah That record's
2: really good Thank you, Scott I'm. Thank you very much
1: I, I didn't know, uh sorry i i feel like a jerk and and carl didn't tell me that you would put out a solo record so, um
2: oh you know carl hofstetter and he I, didn't tell you i do know
1: carl oh yeah, that's yeah. that's no, he, he didn't tell me that that's
2: smack worthy he's
1: not doing his job over there
2: no no You're supposed to let well, people what know. was making
1: that record like
2: it was really fun i mean remember do you remember my ex-wife susie yes yeah when we lived in Crown Point, Northwest Indiana, um, a friend of mine showed me the rudiments of Pro Tools. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think I was the first person in Chicago to get an mbox. box mm-hmm. And um, I just started putzing around with the MIDI. And I'm not a musician and I can't, I don't know chords or anything like that. So it was so easy to, with the MIDI, you can literally drag and drop notes and select the velocity and the length and whatever. And you don't have to know s- squat about music. And so um, right. the first thing I came up with is kind of the first piece on the record. It's kind of uh, sort of classically because a lot of the, the MIDI just sounds so awful. Like, like MIDI guitar is not used. It might be now, but back then it, it was not usable. Um, right. And I remember getting so excited and I was just giggling. And I had my wife come downstairs. I said, Listen to this. (laughs) And she just, (laughs) when it was done, she just turned around and left, didn't say a word, (laughs) couldn't care less.
1: But um, so is that not you playing piano on that?
2: No. No. Okay. I can't play anything, I can't play poker. Uh, I (laughs) mean, that's what I thought. So, I was kind of like, "Is he playing pianos I rented I rented a saxophone for two months because I, you know when you bite the reed and you get that Hair,
1: that's what that's that's my, what that is yeah I thought you were torturing cats or something.
2: No, there is a cat in there. My cat Ritz, okay. is at dinner, but the saxophone, I think is on oh, I don't remember Senator Robinson's speech. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, you
1: should do soundtracks. I mean, oh. screw that acting thing.
2: <laughs> That's really nice of you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think no, I'll do it's that really again. really cool. I worked on that thing no. for 11 years.
1: When did you know it was done?
2: When I was completely sick and tired of fucking with it anymore. All right, well, he's
1: saying you're not a, uh, not a musician, but I also found out that you started out on bass and Scratch Acid. I didn't know that. Right. Supposed to be the bass player.
2: Originally, yeah, I played in a punk band before Scratch Acid, where I, I, I had a little triangular decal from a model airplane that I put on the tail piece of the bass that pointed at the E string, and it was like that's the string I play, the E string. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you played bass, and you're and were the punk bands in high school or, or or? No, I was
2: no, I was already in college when all that shit came around.
1: Did you go to college in Austin? Is that how the whole Austin thing started?
2: Um, I went to college in South, at uh, Southwest Texas State University, which is about 30 miles southwest of Austin. And so I, I was a fine art major for two and a half years. And then punk rock said, hey, David, come over here.
1: And so that was it. Yeah. What was going on in Austin at that point? Was it just butthole surfers or was there a lot of other stuff going on?
2: There was a lot of stuff going on. Terminal Mind, Shining Takes Baby, the Dicks, the Big Boys. Um, God, there was other stuff in Dallas like Bobby Socks and, uh, geez, the inserts, the reactors. It, there, it, was, it was inspirational.
1: And so you're, you're done with the bass and you're going to say, I'm going to sing. I mean what's your mindset there?
2: Uh well we we had I was playing bass and David Sims and Brett Bradford were both playing guitar and our singer Steve uh I love his very guts but uh, he he wouldn't sing at practice because he said it would ruin his voice and mm-hmm. uh, and so he would come to practice and sometimes he'd be too drunk to practice anyway but um we just kind of edged him out and I took over and David took over on bass, you know, I just, I was birthday party light.
1: (laughs) Birthday party light? Yeah.
2: Is that what you said? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't know about that. I I can't picture David on on guitar either. I I thought he came out of the womb with a bass in his hand.
2: No, he he had a. Um, I think he played a Gibson Firebird, really cool looking guitar. I think he he also he wanted what he was trying to do. A lot of the times he said was um, trying to fuck us up. <laughs> like he would just go <laughs> and just do stuff that didn't that was noisy enough that he was hoping that we'd all fuck up.
1: Uh huh.
2: <laughs> I can say fuck. I'm so good, then you- huh? Fuck yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah! You can do that.
1: You could do that. So then that goes into Jesus Lizard, in '87. In you guys are still in Austin.
2: Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah. Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne and I had become friends, and uh,
1: what, what band was was Dwayne playing in a band?
2: He was in a band called Cargo Cult that had uh, some weird jazz guys, and Biscuit from the uh, the Big Boys was singing. And so they were sort of like punk jazz kind of thing. And uh, Dwayne had not too terribly long before that had moved up to Austin from, down to Austin from uh, Detroit. I think he grew up in Ypsilanti. And um, he, he had a few songs, he had four or five songs that he wanted to record because he had a friend who had some free studio time. And he asked me if I'd play bass on him, And I said, okay, sure. And I couldn't do it. And I said, well, why don't we get David Sims? And he goes, you think he'd do it? I said, sure. (laughs) And um, yeah, so we fucked around with a handful of songs and the drum machine. And uh, then David and I moved to Chicago and we kind of blew it off and then decided to maybe record those songs and see if that releasing them. What made you go to Chicago? Um, Austin had, Austin had become such a patent place. It was just a, 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 fucking soap opera, like, you know, relationships and bands and everybody's fucked this and everybody's fucked that. And it was just time to go. And, um, David was going, join, going up there to join Albini and Ray Washam with a band. And Ray had told me that I could be his, uh, drum tech. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, tour the world with that band doing drum tech stuff. And as soon as I got up there, Albini goes, no, we don't need a drum tech. So I got a job. (laughs) What was the job? Uh, uh, I worked at a few restaurants, and then I worked at Kaleidoscope uh, Distributor in Des Plaines. Uh With... um, Dan Koretsky worked there. Michael Gerald worked there. Rick Rizzo worked there. Janet Bean worked there. Uh, God. Susie Korn, Diane Zeri. It was like a who's who of Chicago punk rock.
1: (laughs) So you guys just made all your plans there while you're at work? This is what we're going to do for the next half a decade? Oh,
2: Scott, there were no plans. No? I don't think so.
1: You didn't go there because of Touch and Go. It was just...
2: No, no, I, I didn't, I thought I was probably done playing music. Um, uh, after Scott Acid I didn't really have much desire to. And, uh, then we did that stu- the, the pure EP and Mac came up from Atlanta and started playing with us. And it was so much fun. It was, I couldn't, I couldn't say no. So then you guys just kind of like take over the scene. Well, I don't know about that. There is, you know, naked ray gun. Well yeah.
1: Yeah. But you're definitely the greatest live band in Chicago at this point.
2: <laughs> That's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> How? How is it ridiculous? Um, I mean I think everybody I think everybody thought that. Oh. And you were definitely one of the greatest frontmen of all time. I mean that's the way I feel. I mean I feel like you're like Iggy and Nick Cave, and like every time I feel like <laughs> I'm going through the motions, I think in my mind, what would Iggy or Nick or David do? And I'm, and I'm push through it, you know. It's like wow,
2: that's crazy. That like
1: a, you know when you get inside your head and you're thinking, you're like, nah, nah, get out of your head, you know. Thank you very much, Scott. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever. Seriously, you guys were you guys were terrifying as a live band.
2: No. No, I think I, I, I attribute most of the crap that I did to the bands in Austin at the time, when I was when I was first starting in Austin with the Butthole Surfers and the Dick's and where bands were so intimidating, um, where the idea that you might get hurt at a show by somebody in the audience or by somebody in the band had never occurred to me. And that really kind of turned me on, not that I wanted to get hurt, But the fact that the danger was there, that the risk was there, was really exciting.
1: Right. But there's also a lot of humor in the way you do it. And I don't think people pick up on that.
2: They do to a degree. I mean, yeah. You know, some don't, some do. You sure have a nice microphone. Yeah, you like this? (laughs) You guys all do. Well, Gabe, I've got a a 58, but I don't have any way to plug it in. You could just hold
1: it. It kind of would just be a prop. Great. Yeah. You just you just hammering some nails with that thing. Yeah. So what's your favorite of the Touch and Go Jesus Lizard records?
2: Oh, um, I I don't know the difference between Goat and Liar, so it's probably one of those two.
1: <laughs> Why don't you know the difference between those two?
2: It could it's it's all the same thing. It's like a double album. It all sounds the same to me.
1: So the, those are your uh, Abbey Road and Revolver.
2: <laughs> um. Uh, no physical graffiti and presence, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, my friend Gabe over there. I don't, I don't Hi, know, Gabe. Oh, yeah, Gabe, hey there. But Gabe doesn't think there's a hook in uh, trampled
0: underfoot. Listen, I, I some people dig all of Led Zeppelin songs, some people only like some songs. I'm the person that likes some of their songs, their later stuff, uh, I didn't get into very much. No, you're right, but trampled underfoot to me is the one trick pony it's got one little hook and it's over that's just my opinion though. But, if people like it
2: okay. that's true it goes throughout there but the clavinet man the clavinet is just undeniable <laughs> and it's it's lyrically it's ridiculous i think it's what the making an analogy with cars and women like <laughs> you, you're mark Boland now or something I, I don't know is that what he's doing <laughs> in the lyrics i never Really yeah. realize
1: that. Take a I mean, look
2: just... under your hood. I'm so glad I walked inside your showroom doors and stuff. Oh really? Yeah. It's it's <laughs> about it's a... comparing they got women got a lot color.
1: of songs where they were it was their version of James Brown, and I think that's definitely one of them. Wow. All right, so let's talk about capital and you being in the middle of that whole thing in Chicago. I mean, but you guys always seemed above the major label feeding frenzy, like you guys could have taken it or le or left it. Why, why did you take it? Why Um, Capital?
2: Money, Capital because we had a handful of labels kind of, uh, like I would say, sniffing our butts, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a wonderful guy named Al Smith, I think who uh, worked for Atlantic. And I really liked him, but we didn't like Atlantic, even though Led Zeppelin had been on Atlantic. And we talked to Jimmy Iovine at uh, whatever. Interscope? Yeah, Interscope. And that guy was such a fucking prick. Just couldn't uh-huh. get behind that. <laughs> and then uh, Gary Gersh was running Capital at the time. And he just kind of seemed like a guy. And and seemed like a guy and a guy we could hang out with even like outside of the music biz. And I think that's sort of what... Uh, our reasoning, um, the the other guys and I might not have the same answer, but um, I mean, I told Gary, you know, we're not going to sell any more records than we touch and go. He goes, oh, David, no, I think you're going to sell a lot of records.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, we, and you were uh, like, no, we're, no, we're not. And you tried to talk him out of it.
2: Yeah. Good luck. That's. But you know, I, I got a <laughs> I got a house, so.
1: So what was recording shot shot like?
2: Yeah, recording shot with uh, G-G-G-Garth Richardson. Um, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
2: do you know him? Do you know why he's G-G-Garth? I don't know that. He stutters.
1: I, I had no idea.
2: Yeah, he stutters, and so he goes by G-G-Garth. And um, mm. this is a pretty good story. Um, we're recording at CRC and uh, RK uh, um, RK fuck. Who's the rapper, the black rapper from Chicago? I want to say R. Kelly, R. Kelly, R. R Kelly had been in there before we were in there and he was done and left like a full on huge, big, like um, universal gym, weightlifting machine and a really fancy uh, ghetto blaster and a bunch of stuff that he just left there. And um, and every day, all day long, the phone would be ringing and somebody wanted to talk to R. Kelly. And so Garth would answer the phone and, uh, he'd go, uh, somebody say like, uh, is Gar- R Kelly there. And he'd go, no, 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 no. He, he would, w- he went off to, 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 to Africa to be-, be, become a Buddha, to, be- to become a Buddha. And he was saying this to all these people and R Kelly got wind of it and came to the studio with his, uh, posses. There was one guy bigger than a fucking door and, uh, you know, we could see on the security monitors in the control room <laughs> that he and, like, three other guys were at the front door. <laughs> and Garth is going, lock the door, lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> and so we locked the door, but, you know, they know that we're in there. And they're standing outside uh-huh. the of the door and finally answered the door. And there was no bloodshed. Nobody got killed or anything like that. But it was really fucking scary. And um, Dwayne and I were shooting pool right outside the control room. And uh, R. Kelly was on the phone with, um, God, I forgot the guy's name who ran uh, CRC, Chicago Recording Company. But he was going, yeah. R. Kelly was going like, man, I've done so much motherfucking stuff for you, man. I've helped you out so much. And, and now there's this, and he saw he saw Dwayne, and he goes, and, and now you got these Anthony Perkins looking motherfuckers in here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. But recording Garth was really fun. It was our first, um, our first foray into having an actual producer. So mm-hmm. he came to town early, and he'd go to practice with us, and you know, he'd suggest changes and like, let's do this two more times, and like, not do that part, and whatever. And none of it stuck. By the time we oh, started yeah. recording, not a single suggestion of his made it into the thing. Because, I mean, <laughs> we practiced. All the time then. And uh, so he's like, you you can find You might be able to find him. I don't know. But I'm really pleased with that record. Um, and uh, Joe Barisi, who mixed it, did a great job. Oh, yeah. So I like that record.
1: Yeah, Barisi's great. Yeah. And what about working with Andy Gill? What do you think of Blue? Because I tried to tell David Sims that I liked it once, and he kind of looked at me like I was crazy.
2: <laughs> I like it a bunch. I think... Uh, I think it's really textural. It's a great headphone record. Yeah. Um, I, I like it a bunch. The, I can't, I cannot stomach, and I regret and hate "Needles for Teeth," but um, the other stuff on there, I think is, I think it's good.
1: What kills you about "Needles for Teeth"?
2: We agreed. Capital thought that they were going to make that a hit, and we agreed to have some. Hollywood jerk offs. I don't remember who it was. Some big wig guys remix it and they just made it sound like a nine inch toenails throwaway.
1: Was it Andy Wallace? No, no, I can't. No, somebody,
2: it. somebody with like a, a fancy name like Exxon or Xerox or something like that.
1: <laughs> the Xerox brothers. Yeah. <laughs> So, what about working with Andy Gill? Had you met him before you started working with him?
2: Uh, he came to record like a, a few songs, and, and we really hit it off well. Particularly Andy and me, um, uh, I, I really, I really dug it. We became really good friends, and uh, I, I enjoyed his uh, his the way he worked, and he had good ideas. He contributed a lot. Um, and it was funny when when he died i wanted to uh contact his wife kathy but uh i figured she was slammed and you know i didn't want to bother her and uh two days after she died he she called me up and uh i was uh i was flabbergasted and she said well andy uh you were one of the andy's favorite people to work with and i just went Whoa. <laughs> So yeah, he, I really, I was, I was pretty honored to just be, to be friends with Andy Gill. I mean, Jesus Christ, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, one time yeah. we were driving around in my truck and I had uh, two nuns and a pack mule in my CD player. And mm. uh, I was listening to that and uh, Andy goes, what's that name? I said, oh, that's, uh, that's, who's that? And I said, that's Steve Albini's band. He goes. That sounds like me and then it kept, it, it kept going on and on it went some, a little bit further he goes that sounds exactly like fucking me and so i told steve i said uh he said uh hey she give me some money um so i told steve and steve told me that the first time that he saw gang of four he gave uh john king a dollar and said give that to the guitar player so i said ah. he, he already gave you money <laughs>
1: Man, the 2000s must have been like that nonstop for Andy Gill. I mean, everybody was ripping off Gang of Four and Joy Division. Yeah. And now now it seems like all the good rock bands are ripping off The Fall and Jesus Lizard. Really? I think so. Yeah. Like every time somebody plays me a new band, they're like, this band is fucking great. And I go, it sounds like Jesus Lizard or it sounds like The Fall. Without fail, every good band sounds like that.
2: Are you a fan of idols?
1: Yes. Yeah, I I am a fan of idols. But those guys have learned a thing or two from you guys.
2: Well, maybe. We were talking the other day, and uh, Todd, you know, Todd, Todd Phillips. Mm -hmm. um, He said, hey, you know, well, uh, those idols guys come from money. I was going, so? So. (laughs) (laughs) Big fucking deal. And so I was thinking, like, they should maybe, uh, they should, uh, Joe should go, like, my parents have got a lot of money. My parents have got a lot of money. That's pretty good. Yeah.
1: That's, that's your idols? That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Tit for tat. <laughs> yeah. What one, one good turn deserves another. What about the fall? Was, was like that, was, were they a big influence on you?
2: Not really back then. I, I uh, got into them more uh, quite a bit later. Um I dug them, but they were so hit and miss. Their good shit is just great, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: there's a lot of stuff that's like, "Why'd you do that?" <laughs>
1: right. right. There is a lot of stuff. I mean, I can't think of many bands with that many records.
2: I think Elvis Costello just put out his thirty-second record.
1: I hear it's good. I it's heard good it's one. great.
2: I'm so eager to I hear think, it.
1: I think Todd was raving about it the other day. He, actually,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm I'm eager to hear it. I'm I'm a fan
1: how's Todd doing these days
2: uh good uh he proposed to his beautiful girlfriend Kaisa. uh all right he sold his house and moved into a house about a mile and a quarter that way uh we see him all the time he's doing he's doing all right how did he that
1: first breakup with jesus Lizard? how did that go down was it was it just you guys were just like sick of it, or
2: well, Mac had left what happened like Mac had left and um the
1: after blue or before blue
2: before blue, Jim Kimball plays on blue
1: okay, and um, Jim did all right,
2: and so after Mac left, it was just a job, and we had signed a three record contract with capital, and so we had one more to do, well, two more to do, and uh <coughs> Excuse me. Um,
0: <laughs> First burp on the podcast. Yeah. Excellent. It's it was, so good.
2: It it was it wasn't it wasn't fun playing without Mac. I mean, you know, everybody knows, especially people that have been in bands. The most important thing about a band is the chemistry of, of the people in the band. And it, it's yeah. possible that if you have a good band, that somebody could be replaced, but it's unlikely. And Jim Kimball was no replacement for Mac McNeely in a myriad of ways. Um, and so, because we didn't sell any more records than we had on Touch & Go, sometime after Blue came out, um, Botch, our, our manager, called me up and said, uh, hey, Capitol is, uh, said that you don't have to do a third album. I said, great, I quit. <laughs> no that, that was that
1: that was it huh yeah well i'm glad uh i was playing with that band triple fast action remember when we played together yes i do that was i think it was in champagne yes yeah so i'm glad i'm glad you guys stuck around so that i could play that show with you because that show was one of the the best shows I've ever seen, and one of the most fun
2: nights. Was that the like only time? Not... Was that the only time we ever played together? Yeah, I mean, you, you
1: got up and, and did a Chicago song with Local H one night. That that was pretty good. Yeah, oh, it's on it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant.
2: Yeah, I knew one of the lines in the song. Oh, <laughs> we we went backstage.
1: We couldn't find you, and we're like, we got on stage. We said, "Where's David?" And we're like, "All right, fuck it." And then you just appeared. You're like, yeah, you're looking for me? What, what's up? I go, uh, should we do a song? You're like, well, what are we going to do? I go, I-, I don't know. Should we do Chicago 25 or 624? He said, uh, well, I don't know any of the words. I said, that's okay. Just yow it up. And so that's, <laughs> that's what you did. It was great. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> so it was so good. <laughs> I think he just repeated the sitting cross leg on the floor line over and over and over. I think so. Yeah. But when we played together in Champaign, I was playing with Triple Fast Action. And we went back to the hotel. And you and I were the last men standing that night. And then you started talking about Billie Holiday. And so you were like, "Yeah, you know what? We should go to the van and listen to, to one of her records. I've got it in the van. I was like, OK. And it was in winter. It was freezing outside. And for some reason, I didn't have my shoes on. So you were like, hop on my back. And you took one step and you slipped on the ice and we both went flying and we both landed on my back. And so it was very smart on your part to have me get on your back. <laughs> you are patting. <laughs> exactly.
3: Scott, you didn't try to show him Red Balloon at the end of the
1: night? No, I did not. No, it was all, it was all about Billie Holiday. And we did make it to the van and we listened to Billie Holiday and, until we were freezing.
2: What is Red Balloon?
1: Red Balloon is, uh, you must have seen it. It's this uh, French movie from the 50s, and it's, it's a children's movie. It's about a half an hour long, and this schoolboy, French schoolboy, his best friend is his Red Balloon.
2: Is it animated?
1: And all the kids in the neighborhood, no. Live action. <gasps> Live action. Uh, and all the kids are chasing him and trying to get his balloon, and, uh, and it's, it's great. It's beautiful. And all the balloons in Paris are alive, and it, it's great.
2: Okay, I'll check it out. All
1: right.
0: He's writing it down. <laughs>
1: all right, well, good. I'm glad I didn't ruin the ending if you're going to watch it. So so after you quit, what did you do? You just kind of...
2: Well, I got frightened that I was going to go, okay, because I bought a house in Indiana, and you know, I had a mortgage and stuff like that. <laughs> I thought, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? And my life didn't work. Um, what am I going to do to maintain this lifestyle that I've got to know? And I looked, you know, I had d- done construction work in the past and I thought, well, I could do that. And then I read an article where, you know, if you do photo retouching, you can get paid like $200 an hour. And I was, I'd been fucking around with Photoshop for a few years and I made up a portfolio and took it to some places and started doing retouching. And uh, that was 1999 when I first started doing that um, professionally. And I've been doing it ever since.
1: And that led you out to L.A.?
2: Sort of, kind of. I mean, I was working at place marketing companies in Chicago, freelancing. And I just get so disgusted with marketing. I mean, I understand capitalism that, you know, there's advertising is sort of a necessary thing, but marketing isn't, it's just disgusting making people do things that they wouldn't otherwise do and all kinds of stuff. And, and it was gross, you know, making these huge industry displays with John Madden and Frito-Lay potato chips, and it was just hideous. And so <laughs> I had toyed with acting some, and I wanted, and my wife wanted to move out here. She was born out here. And so we said, well, yeah, we'll go there and I'll start doing key art. So all the all the retouching I do now is for movies like movie posters and billboards and stuff like that. I, I know you've seen a bunch of stuff I've done, you know, Avengers and S- Star uh-huh. Wars and Maleficent and just tons and tons of stuff. And so I yeah. feel like that's harmless. That's not like. Regular marketing, it's just marketing American movies, but uh, it's yeah, it's fun and it's um, relatively uh, creative. Uh Oh, you froze Scott.
0: Oh, yeah, he's frozen back to what Scott was saying about how he kind of thought of you as one of the you know, rock, you know, live gods on stage. When I think of how Scott acts on stage sometimes. I see, I see videos of you, and I think he's trying to be David Yao. I mean, not trying to be, but he, he sees himself as David Who? Yao. Scott. If you see him without a guitar on his, on his, you know, when he's not playing guitar. Who? Steph? Scott. Scott Lucas? Yes. Really? I bet you, if you see him at the end of a show, like when he gets <clears throat> a little hammered sometimes, <laughs> and maybe he's, like, into the crowd a little bit or, like, falling into the crowd... I think he he would like to be
2: you up that's there. That's nice. He's a lot he's a lot more handsome than I am.
1: I want to be David Yao. Yeah, that's that's definitely. Yeah, every time uh, I uh, crowd surf back into the uh, the uh, the sound booth at Metro, you go wow! You, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, I'm just ripping off David Yao. That's what he does all the time.
2: It's fun ripping people off. I used to I used to. Um, Remember Al Johnson when he was in uh, Shorty and U.S. Maple? Yeah. When he wasn't using his microphone, he would just put it in his pocket. Uh, I thought that yeah. was so cool. and I said, hey, man, is it okay? Can I do that? And he said, <laughs> sure. So I would just, I, I love people putting microphone in their pocket. I don't need it right now. I'll just put it right here.
1: Did you dig those uh, Man records that uh- –
2: um, okay, but- yeah, yeah, more so than the bad seeds. Uh, I think the bad seeds are just boring as shit for the great most part. I think the first two or three records are good, but then there's this huge space of just adult contemporary. And um, you know, Nick is good live, but yeah. most most of that stuff. Grinder Man seemed so cool. I mean, wh- I guess Warren had a bunch of ideas and uh, tons of cool sounds that nobody's ever heard before
1: yeah how'd you get hooked up with flipper how, oh how did that happen um so you did quee then you did flipper like you're just no one's asking you to play bass anymore they just everybody <laughs> wants you to sing in i band.
2: i actually i played bass a little bit in quee okay yeah a very little bit <laughs> like we covered um camarillo by fear and i uh-huh. i kind of did dad it da it not very good, but, um, yeah. Um, well, I guess Bruce Luce from who was the singer for flipper has a lot of back pain issues and mm. other stuff. I, I don't really know him. I don't, I've never met him. I don't know anything really about him, but, uh, he didn't want to do flipper anymore. And they'd had, they had been asked to go do, um, a few shows in Italy and, uh, so when Chrome with Helio's Creed was playing a show in Los Angeles at the Echo, he asked me to do a song with them. It was sort of like the Jesus Desert had done a couple of Chrome songs that we put together as a kind of a medley kind of thing. And um, he wanted me to sing on that. And I guess Steve, Stephen DePache, the drummer uh, from Flipper was in the audience and he'd been he said that he was in the market for a singer, and they, that I was on the list. Keith Morris and Ian Mackay and um, uh, Moby. Apparently, Moby <laughs> is a big Flipper <laughs> fan. And so he he liked what I did that night with Chrome, and asked me if I would if I would sing. And I I had I for I thought about it for about a half of a nanosecond and said uh-huh. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. I mean, what an, what an honor. Dear God.
1: Well, it's lucky because they might've gotten Moby for that. If you hadn't have done that, you know,
2: <laughs> well, I, Moby probably would have been better than Ian or Keith. Keith would just be yeah. talking about the old days and uh-uh. Ian would be <laughs> policing him. Stop doing that. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're right. So what do you got? What do you got going on now? Uh, any talk about more Jesus Lizard shows, or going back out with Flipper?
2: I'm done with Flipper. We just played yeah. a few shows in in California and a New Year's Eve Eve and a New Year's Eve show in San Francisco, and that's that was my last one. I I enjoy it. Um, I love those guys. Uh, I'm beyond honored to have been in Flipper, but I I just have no desire. And uh, I don't want to do that anymore.
1: Yeah. How was that playing? Uh, were those the only shows you played since the pandemic?
2: No, we played Costa Mesa, Los Angeles. Two, oh, yeah. Uh, we open, there's a band called um, The Garden. Two young guys, two brothers. Have you heard mm-hmm. of them?
1: I think I've heard of them. I haven't heard them though.
2: It's kind—it's pretty cool. It's kind of weird stuff. But they sold out two nights at the um, Henry Fonda Theater, mm. and uh, they asked Flipper to open for them. And it was so weird. I was thinking, man, this their audience is like predominantly seventeen-year-old girls, mm. and I was going, they're not going to like us. And I was kind of looking forward to it. I was going, okay, well, I'm just going to bring them down. Right. but they fucking dug us it was so cool they were so <laughs> enthusiastic you know they're all going like this and like blowing me kisses and i was flabbergasted it was so fun they were just really really enthusiastic and uh i guess open-minded young kids so that yeah. was fun and then two shows in San Francisco so Costa Mesa LA LA to San Francisco
1: and that's it. That's all. Yeah. That's,
2: well, and that's also the end
1: of music. Uh, no more music on the horizon.
2: Uh, well, I've learned to quit saying never, so it's possible. I don't know. But that San Francisco show, I didn't want to do it. You know, there was every other. Uh, Ty Siegel had, was doing three or five nights there. He canceled that. The Melvins were doing two nights in San Francisco. They canceled that. Everywhere across the country, people are canceling shows, but not not flipper. No, sorry. We're going to get in there and just, you know, not get the virus. And so (laughs) anybody get it? uh, Our bass player did. Rachel did. But she's she's not vaxxed because she's allergic to a base and the vaccine. So she has a doctor's excuse to not be vaccinated. But she got it. She's all right now. But that. New uh, the day before December thirtieth, I drove up to San Francisco on my own, and the 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 grapevine was closed. You know, coming down the mountains north of Los Angeles because due to a snowstorm, and so this GPS GPS app <laughs> took me in this convoluted route where I was for two hours sitting in a snowstorm going about 12 miles an hour, just lonely and bummed. And it was just so shitty, you know, going, I don't want to do this anyway. And uh, so it was It was over an eight and a half hour drive up there. And I got there and from then on, it was all fun. It was all good. So there you go. You never know.
1: Right. It's just the, the bullshit that you got put up with. Yeah. I think since COVID has started like all the bullshit that was hard about touring has gotten harder and it's just all the stuff that you hated. You hate even a little bit more now because there's just that it's gotten that much more of a pain in the ass.
2: Have you been playing shows? Yeah. like
1: we I did uh, three months last fall.
2: Three months. Yeah. In the U S.
1: Yeah. 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 I, think we got we got a breakthrough case hold Both on just a, just a second pardon okay. me.
2: ellen ellen oh yes thank you what a wonderful girl she's bringing me a beer modello okay so where were where'd you play in la no on the tour
1: oh it's just all all over the u.s no. It oh, was it was everywhere,
2: and and you're okay, and nobody's got the the COVID.
1: No, I think we got in L.A. Oh. We uh we were playing at uh, fuck. Where did we play in L.A.? Um, it's in your hood. It's uh, what's the name of that place? The Echo. Echo. Yeah, we played at the Echo, and uh, it was great. The show was terrific. All the shows were great. But uh, a couple of days later. We are in uh, Portland, and I'm like, I don't feel too good. And we're pretty sure we got in L.A. I mean, it was, I felt fine. There were two days where I felt terrible, but the worst part of it was having to cancel the shows, you know? Yeah. Because that's all we've been doing for the last two years is canceling shows. It's been really, really frustrating.
2: Yeah, that's awful. I, I, I was always, I, yeah, canceling shows. like, uh-uh, nope, nope. No. No, it
1: goes against everything you believe in, you know?
2: It completely. It was funny though, this San Francisco thing. I didn't want to do it so badly. I was hoping I would get the COVID so I could just call and say, <laughs> You guys, I can't I already got it. I can't do it. But I I, I wouldn't I I couldn't bring myself to just cancel it.
1: No, that's not the way to do it. Well, it's good to see you
2: it's great to see you. Next time you come to LA, we have to come visit us here. We bought a house up by the mountains for five years ago. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. Got a hot tub. Uh, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for listening to my stories and all that crap.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled. Do you ever have people do them a second time?
1: uh not yet i mean we're we're what our first year we've been doing it for almost a year in a couple of weeks it'll be a year so and is we it, haven't gotten to the second time yet
2: and is it weekly or you do it uh
1: we're doing it every week,
2: every
1: week. yeah
2: well Let's, if you, let
1: todd know he we're coming for him
2: okay yeah yeah and if you know if one week somebody won't do it we could reenact this whole thing
1: okay all right, definitely. Great. You got anything you want to talk about? You let me know, and you can come on.
2: Okay. All right. You can
1: talk about your interview with Lil Bub.
2: Lil Bub. Oh, oh. Ellen says bye or hi and bye. Well, she was waving. I don't know if it was hi and bye or if she just wanted me to look at her.
1: Right. Well. Um, both. Maybe both.
2: Well, you know when. Uh, um, Lil Bub and uh, his dude, her dude, uh, came over to our house in Silver Lake once years ago, and I have a cat, uh, a big furry cat named Little Buddy, and uh, I was holding Little Buddy, and uh, uh, Mike 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 Rudovsky um, was holding Lil Bub, and you know she she had an affliction, she had like a bone disease and stuff, and she was sort of crippled and cats pick up on that and so I was holding little buddy and they were sniffing each other and little buddy's only reaction was he he just started peeing just this <laughs> constant stream of pee it, it he was so freaked out
1: yeah yeah
2: <laughs> little bub made my boy pee
1: little buddy was not a fan of little bub
2: I don't know maybe maybe he maybe it was exciting
1: yeah you yeah know? I got something for you it's a nice, steady stream of pee. <laughs> Check it out, a little buddy. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Go yeah. to work, slave.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, it's freelancing, and I think I'm only working three weeks this, this month, so that's nice.
1: Yeah. It's like more movie posters?
2: Uh, yep, exactly. Movie and, and TV, like I'm doing a bunch of stuff for Netflix now. Um, yeah.
1: Like the power, did you do the power of the dog?
2: No, but we watched it.
1: It was good, right?
2: It was really good. There's so much subtext in there. It's, uh, I know. I want to watch it again. And like, yeah, I was, I was, it was a really good movie.
1: For a second, like I was thinking that the mother was in on it. And that's why she was so, uh, she was so adamant about giving away the the skins to the uh, Native Americans to that oh,
2: tribe. Oh, that's interesting.
1: But I don't know if that's what's going on. Like I, I watched it again, and I, I still don't really know.
2: What to, at what point do you think? And we're ruining this for people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at what point do you think uh, Peter decided he wanted to kill Phil? Like, it, was it when he was destroying that flower that he made? Was it the first time he met him?
1: Yeah, well, no, I don't think so. I think it was uh, maybe, wow, when did he know that he was into something? When did he, like, was he messing with the cows before he saw uh, him swimming? Uh, no,
2: Ellen, Ellen seemed to think that it was when, when he turned, when Phil turned Peter's mom, rode, Rose, into an alcoholic. That's, mm. that's when he's going, okay, I'm going to kill you.
1: Well, that's the first line of the movie that, you know, what son wouldn't help his mother. So, you know, that's happening right from the beginning.
2: Is that him talking? Is that Peter yeah. talking at the beginning of the movie? Okay. Yeah.
1: A yeah. little bit of uh, Days of Heaven foreshadowing there.
2: Wow. I'm going to have to watch that again.
1: It holds up. It's good stuff.
2: Man. And I don't want to like Benedict Cumberbatch because his name is Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. But man, he's he's really good.
1: He's really good, and you know what? He's really good. And I'm not. I don't want to talk nice about superhero movies, but he's really good as Doctor Strange in that new uh, Spider-Man.
2: Movie. I did. I worked on that at the place, but I haven't seen it. It's
1: okay. It is what it is. But but Benedict's scenes as Doctor Strange are pretty good. I feel like I might have to see a Doctor Strange movie now because don't no. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've seen you're a just couple seen, things. You've just seen
3: it. his best Doctor Strange work in that movie. Okay.
1: What you say, David?
2: Uh, a few times. I can't think of right off the top of my head other times I've seen him, but I've always been, uh, I've never been disappointed with him.
1: Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's not like we needed another Limey, uh, but hes he's pretty good
0: at it.
2: Yeah, can't tell. I, well, when I did um, Under the Silver Lake with Andrew Garfield, uh, in between scenes, we were walking around, and uh, I said, well, I, th- I thought you were English. And he said, uh, I am. I said, well, you, don't, you, don't have, you have no accent whatsoever. And he said, well, when, I made a mo- when I'm shooting a movie as an American, I just stay in my American voice.
1: That makes sense. That and makes I, was, sense.
2: I was impressed.
1: It's like when you found out everybody on The Wire Was English.
2: (laughs) What the fuck is this? It's not fair. And Australians and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Taking our jobs.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I I still think Idris Elba is a better actor as an American character than when he's using his actual
1: British. That makes sense. That makes sense. You're a bad Brit, but you're a great American. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm All right, sorry. man.
2: Thanks a ton, you guys.
1: Thank you, David. It's Thank great you. to see you. Thanks.
2: Yeah, take care. All
1: right, man. Bye. Bye. Bye.